I'm Mike with the Turntable Teachers. Class is officially back in session. And we are here for yet again another guest speaker episode, just pumping these out lately. And this one's a little bit interesting, though, a little bit different. We actually are going away from the Boston music scene a little bit, and we are actually going into the Atlanta underground music scene. And I am so excited to have Young Mono, uh, as he's repping his Hawks uniform. All right, yeah, rep your, rep your Atlanta, <laughs> Young Mono. <laughs> yes, sir. The Celtics are still in the bubble, okay? All right? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. I don't think we made it there. Either. I don't know. I don't yeah, I don't know how for how much longer they'll be there, but we'll we'll see. But uh, Young Mono, hip hop artist from Atlanta, I am so glad to have you on this on this episode, man. How you doing today? Oh man, I'm glad to be here. I'm doing great. The usual, awesome. daily grind. Awesome, man. No, it's it's like I said, I'm really glad we got we were able to do this. Shout out Heath Two Forty, who if yeah. fans of us know, like he's our boy. He's the one that kind of got us a little bit in touch because I noticed he was a uh, he was a, a feature on your brand new album called Self Made Degenerate, which you just came out with about a, it was actually it was last month, correct? It was in July? Uh, yeah, it was in July, end of July. Yeah, so he was featured on that, the song called Lies, one of my favorite songs on that whole album. Whole album's great, guys. Definitely go check it out. We will link it here in the description for sure. So make sure you go check that out. That is out on all streaming services, Spotify, Apple, SoundCloud, wherever you get your music. Make sure you check that out. So I guess that's a great place to start is with your album. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about this, this project, really maybe the sound or the process, um, the meaning of behind it. I know it's just kind of, you, you really touched on in your, in your music and in your lyrics, specifically on this album, you talked a lot about kind of things that are going on right now, you know, whether it's, you know, potentially things with police brutality or also with like, you know, the coronavirus just in general use. So you really kind of weren't afraid to touch on uh, subjects that, you know, a lot of people are really feeling strongly about and also, you know, being deeply affected by. So I was kind of curious as to kind of what your angle was in, in terms of, in terms of, of the album. Um, so for this one, I kind of like, I wanted to touch a lot of stuff, like you said, uh, I mean, like, I started writing a lot of this stuff during quarantine while I was like, um, like furloughed off work and stuff. So I was just at home chilling for the most part. And so, like, and then a lot more stuff started happening around. So I had more and more stuff to write about. But um, the self-made degenerate part, it actually came from, like, uh, hanging out with one of my buddies. And he was just like, oh, man, like, you're a degenerate. And I was like, yeah, self-made. And then we kind of like, yo, like, that would be kind of a dope album, like, name. And so, like, um, we, uh, that was the start of that. And this was probably last year when that happened. But I, like, hadn't done anything with it since then. And so I started, um, started writing songs. Like, I did, uh the quarantine song, which is like the first song I like knew that I was going to put on it. And, um, obviously that wrote that during quarantine and, um, pretty much just like, I was going like nuts, like just being at home all the time. Like I'm a pretty like outgoing person. Like I like to go out and like see my friends and stuff, but like I couldn't. So, and then in the, the quarantine remix that's on the album, um, is when I, when stuff kind of started happening, like with, the George Floyd and like all those situations. Um, that's when I was like, okay, I can't like, I know I don't have much of like a platform to talk about it, but I want to use like the platform that I do have to kind of address it and like how I was feeling towards it. Um, 
So that's kind of where that came from. Um, I like to do a lot of different styles too. Um, Cause I have like a through a couple like R and B songs type in there, like a couple trap and like more on the lyrical side. And then like the country songs are always fun to make. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to like be like myself on it, like kind of just like show like how I'm like that self-made degenerate, like to a T, you know. Absolutely. I, I do feel like in this project, your personality totally does come through. That is like, I think the selling point of it, really. Even if you're not somebody that loves trap-based music, I think there it might be something on here for everyone. Because like I said, I, mean, I won't lie to you, I didn't love every track on this, but mm-hmm. just based on my listening. But I, there were still many, many tracks on here that I took away that I really, really enjoyed. And I, I, I agree that I definitely think that you did a really nice job of bringing in a lot of different sounds. Like you brought in, like I said, kind of the trap sound that we've heard from, you know, just got, just a lot of that has come from the, the, the South, really the, the South kind of, you know, bred that sound for a long time. And then I even heard like the one song that I definitely want to talk about is Tom Brady. <laughs> and I thought that like, and on that song specifically, you brought it like almost like a little Nas X type track with like yeah. hip hop scene. So first of all, it's nice to know that someone from Atlanta isn't that, isn't that not to bring up sports again, isn't that, isn't that mad at Tom Brady to the point where he'd make a song about it. But um, in terms of like the, I want to talk more about the, the sound of it though. So, you know, do you, th- is that a sound that is really prominent in the South right now in the underground scene, like this country hip hop blend, or do you think it's something that it has staying power potentially? Um, I honestly think it does have staying power. Like I remember the, Probably the first like hip hop country song I heard was uh, I think it was like Lil Nas and Tracy made a song called Like a Farmer, and um, this was like before like probably two three years before Lil Nas came out. Um, so that was like the first I heard of it, and this is like probably like maybe a year before I started making music. I was like, oh, this is neat, and then Lil Nas came out and then like blew the wall off of it. And um, but I haven't really seen too many people out of Atlanta doing it like outside of Lil Nas and like Blanco Brown who did the uh, the Get Up song. Um, so I've been kind of like trying to play off like both of those styles, like while keeping it to myself, like with my own personal like clothes and stuff. Um, but yeah, like I think it's like, it's a neat like collaboration. Like it's two like polar opposite things almost. It seems like mm. that like kind of come together and just make like a banger, it feels like. Yeah, you wouldn't, again, like you wouldn't expect these two to come in. Although I will say this, I feel like Nelly tried it a little bit, you know, like like early 2000s. I feel like he tried it and I thought at the time, maybe I'm being naive, but I thought it was pretty well received. And then I feel like, I mean, again, I could be wrong and just like not well informed on this, but I feel like nobody really did it for a while unless people were doing it in the underground. I just didn't know. That's kind of why I asked you the question because I wasn't sure if this is a sound that's super prominent in the, you know, and just the, the Southern um, part of the, part of the country, if that's like a prominent sound, because again, I'm not super familiar with the underground scenes in Atlanta and, and, and places like that. But um, it, it, it's just interesting to almost see how some of these trends come back a little bit. Cause I'm not saying that, you know, that little Nas bit Nelly by any stretch of the imagination, yeah. um, but it's again, it's, it's just funny that, you know, country grammar 20, almost 20 years ago. And then 
well, Nas comes out with probably the biggest song of the deck, like one of the biggest songs of the decade, regardless of where you were at, whether you like it or dislike it, I can't really argue how big it was and how huge it got, you know? Cause yeah, Lil Nas, I don't, I don't even like, it came out of nowhere. Like I love the song, don't get me wrong, but um, it just kind of like happened. I know I didn't even know what a TikTok was when like it blew up on it. And then I was hearing it all over the radio and then Rodeo came out and I was just like, you're like crushing it right now. Like, I don't see why I shouldn't try to like, did myself into like that kind of genre and like that spectrum of like hip hop. I know I'm biased because the name, but I actually messed yeah. up. I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was catchy. I enjoy it for sure. Uh, is is country music a, 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 a genre that you enjoy? Certain songs and like certain artists, like I, I like the, if I had to like absolutely had to listen to country, it would have to be like the up tempo, like Florida Georgia line type music. Like I can't really do too much like the emotional, like Luke Bryan song and stuff like that. Just cause like, I kind of listen, listen to music as an escape. So like, I don't want to like get in my feelings. Like when he's talking about like how his dog got ran over by a tractor or something, like I can't really vibe too well with it, you know? I understand that. I get that. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah, I think that's a good point. Like, some people use music as an escape for like, they don't want to be like emotional with the music. They want like something to get up. So I feel like that's what you're saying, but other people, you know, they, they might like sappier sad music. Cause maybe they, it's, they're able to resonate with it a little better and they don't feel as yeah. right. So it's just, it's, it's so interesting and unique. I always love when I talk to people, what they use music for, you know what I mean? I think everybody has a different answer for that. I think there's some overlap isn't, there's not necessarily not the case, but I love, I love hearing like people's, you know, it, what, what they, what they, how they feel about, about music and, and how they utilize it. Um, so another question I had for you in regards to the album, um, I think one of the main key things about you that I noticed right away was your use of punchlines and how just kind of ear grabbing that a lot of your punchlines are. I, I think that, you as a as a rapper are are you like I said a little bit earlier in, in, in this episode, you your personality does come out. But then, like I said, you aren't afraid to talk about some some deeper things. And um, I know that you know Atlanta is a, is a spot right now for you know like obviously your, your mayor Keisha Bottoms has been a huge advocate for a lot of things going on right now. Killer Mike and Ti are all over the all over the the, the state and the city just trying to raise awareness for you know, the things that are occurring right now in the Black Lives Matter movement and all that stuff. So did it, did it mean something for you to, even though I know you said your platform is, is smaller and, you know, we talked about it as well. We had many times where we, we spoke about it on our show. And um, despite, like you said, I know our, our platforms aren't huge, but did you kind of feel an obligation to talk about it because it's so prominent right now? And so some of the larger uh, figures in Atlanta are talking about it, or is it just something that you're passionate about? Or maybe is it a mix of both? Yeah, I would definitely say it's a mix of both because one one thing I like I saw a sign driving down the street one day that said silence is compliance. Mm -hmm. And so like that's I felt like for my friends, like I had a lot of friends that like wouldn't weren't saying anything about it. And I'm like, yo, like and being like um I wouldn't say necessarily like the token black dude in like my friend group, but like I would um like a majority of my friends are white. And um I would like see like during the whole Blackout Tuesday thing. I was like noticing like, I was like, oh, I haven't seen so-and-so post about this. And so I was like, yo, this is kind of weird. Like, like, what are they thinking about it? And so like, then I have other friends, like I've probably blocked like maybe 500 people on Facebook, probably not 500, but like, just for the simple fact that they're like, instead of saying like, yo, like we stand with you or like Black Lives Matter, they're like Blue Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, like stuff like that. It kind of like wigged me out a little bit. So pretty much there, uh, I was using that as like, uh, 
a method to get to like my friends and stuff like so I know like a lot of my friends listen to my music so I'm like I want them to hear how I'm thinking about it um and maybe they can go to their family about it and they can explain to their parents like yo like the way you're thinking about this isn't like necessarily like the right way and like we shouldn't be doing this like we should support this and that but like I mean it's only so much you can do like it's more so like how they're raised and how their parents are raised and how their parents are raised and it kind of just trickles down into what we have today well one thing i wanted to to note that what you said because it's it seems as though like it, it feels like maybe i'm wrong in saying this so so correct me if i'm wrong but it was um, was it almost easier to put it in a song and be like here listen to this and sort of you instead of having the conversation a little bit is that a hundred percent yeah yeah and then that like you said it's a kind of a way a good outlet for you as well to kind of express how you're feeling about it and you know, it's, it's interesting because what you're, what you're saying, and, and I think that even though, as you said, you know, your platform is not the biggest, but you, it, it is worthy to know, note though, that you do have a platform. And even if you do change, not even say change, cause I don't like, I don't really want to like with when I, you know, when I've talked about it with my friends or, you know, when I've talked about it on this show, I, I don't know if I'm necessarily looking to change people's minds about anything like in terms of political stuff or anything like that. I'm just more so like you're saying, just getting some of these stories out there and having people just think a little bit more and, and be a little bit more empathetic and mindful. And just, I think the biggest thing is understanding that, you know, even if you haven't personally experienced something doesn't make it not real and that it doesn't happen. Right. Like, I think oftentimes we get caught up in our own world and we think, you know, our experiences are all experiences and it's just, and that doesn't make somebody inherently a bad person, but they need to recognize that other experiences exist. But then when it's put in front of them, if they still want to, you know, not admit it or, or they want to come up with some excuses, excuse for it. That's when I, I tend to pause, but hearing your album, you not like, was you weren't like you didn't it didn't come from a place that felt like angry or like ill-informed and i really appreciated that yeah you know so yeah i've been doing a good bit of research on it since it, like all the stuff happened like there's like stories that's saying this and that about everything that's going on like there's always like seems to be a second side of the story that comes out once it goes it like blows up um but i mean like at the same time like it still isn't right you know so i mean like that's like that's what I'm trying to get people to understand like oh like because there's a guy that got um that got killed down here at a Wendy's or something like that um in the drive like he had passed out or something in his car and um the cops pulled up and like granted the guy grabbed the cop's taser and like aimed it at him or something like I don't know what the whole situation was but then like the cop shot him so I'm like oh I think it was at that point if the taser's in another person's hand that it's considered a legal weapon and so it's like it was justified to a certain extent, but at the same time, like they wouldn't have, would it have been the same way had it been someone else? True. I think like you're right. It's important to recognize each individual, you know, thing or these in instance for what it is. But again, like I said, I feel like, and again, I think you'd probably agree that we've seen this enough that it's like, all right, there's, a, there's so many instances of it out there that it's happened. And again, I'm not sitting here saying like, you know, I don't want people to misconstrue my words that, you know, I'm saying that all police are racist or that, you know, that that's, that's not what I'm arguing. It's that, or that, you know, white people aren't killed by the cops, but it, there is a, we have to admit that this is a problem and we need to fix it. And I agree. I think that, I, I mean, the black, the blackout Tuesday thing, I think it was what it meant, what it was meant for is to just take a, a pause, not on, you know, <clears throat> 
not on the issues, but like on what we're doing day to day and just say, I stand like you're, like you're saying, I stand with you. And I think that's all it, you know, we're not asking of people to like regular people to change these issues. It's not really, it's not up to us in in a sense. It in a sense it is to continue to create awareness for it, but you know, it is up to us though, to at least sit, we can at least sit here and say, Hey, we stand together we're with you, we're behind you, and we recognize that this is not okay. That, yeah. that goes a long way, I think, you know? Oh, for sure. You know, so um, I, I actually appreciate you having this conversation with me. It really- oh, yeah, no problem. A lot and- Conversation that need, should have been had like a long time ago with a lot of people, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it was tried to be had for a long time. You know, I think somebody like, like for example, Killer Mike, I think Killer Mike's been an advocate for this for a really, really, really long time. And yeah. Uh, it's, it's like I said, we talked about this too, the, you know, the J Cole and no name situation. I feel like in, in no names, I mean, defense, you know, she, she's definitely excited now, I think and it's not excited, maybe the wrong word, but she sees the urgency that like people recognized it and she mm-hmm. wanted more people to talk about it. And, and rightfully so, you know what I mean? And yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, I think a lot of these things, like, like I was saying a little earlier, I think it should be dealt with a little more empathy and understanding each other. You know what I mean? That's really listening. You know, that's, I've been trying to do a lot of that lately is like, and like you're saying, like listening, learning, taking everything in and then talking, you know, not just, not just talking to talk. Yeah. It's important. Um, but I definitely want to transition a little bit. Speaking of Atlanta, I want to talk to me a little bit about just the underground scene there in general it doesn't have to necessarily be hip hop, but tell me a little bit about the buzz is like with the underground music scene as a whole in Atlanta. Um, well, the underground music scene in Atlanta is huge. It's, um, it's so many different like genres that are down there too, that are like, it's kind of a breeding ground. So like, um, there's a venue down here called the masquerade. Uh, it has like three, I think three different, uh, stages, but it's in like one, uh, one building pretty much. And it's, um, there's heaven, which is the biggest one, hell second biggest and then purgatory and purgatory is kind of where like you get the underground artists and then like hell is like the bigger underground artists and heaven is like where you get like the big name people, like different bands and stuff. And it's predominantly like, um, for like rock music, but I, I actually performed there at purgatory, uh, right before the lockdown started. Um, but it's, it's so, it's, it's huge. Like, um the rock scene in Atlanta is growing, always growing. Like I, there's always bands popping up left and right. Like I have friends that are in bands or that were in bands that are trying to start bands now. And then there's like the EDM scene in Atlanta is getting even bigger because there's more venues popping up here and there. Um, and then hip hop's always going to be huge in Atlanta uh, just because of like, just that like old South, like the, the like Gucci's and like the throwback, like TI and like Killer Mike, like Outkast and all that stuff. Like, it's always going to be like that need for like hip hop in Atlanta. I feel like, especially in the underground scene. Sure. Of course. I mean, yeah, like hip hop, I think a lot of ways there were so many influences. I mean, that's to believe it or not, outcast it's on my, it's on my wall. Yeah. They're the, they're the, like the entity that got me into hip hop. Like if not for outcasts, I mean, I probably would have gotten into hip hop, but like that was my entry point because you know, like when I was hearing, songs like hey yeah and the way you move you know when we were i know you and i are the same age we're both 26 sorry to give you if, if you know <laughs> some people are weird about the age uh so with outcast particularly when i heard like the way you move and hey yeah it was interesting because i was like 
huh, they're pulling from some of like the soul and jazz like influences that like my mom was playing. Like, you know, like, I mean, I'm not saying that this necessarily was influenced here, but like, um, you know, people like Marvin Gaye and Kenny G and Ray Charles and just like some of the, some of the soul, like I said, soul and jet Luther Vandross, right. Some of the stuff that my mom was playing when I was growing up, uh, it was interesting to hear Outkast take that spin on it. And then when I heard the speaker box love below, it's like everything I knew about music changed like from there. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And then I went, obviously went back, did my due diligence with Outkast, like went way back to like Southern playlist of Catholic music and, and through, but you know, over the years I've just realized like, I mean, Atlanta is very influential when it comes to music. I mean, I know in hip hop for sure, it's interesting to hear other genres. I feel like other genres get very much pushed to the, not so much they're pushed in the, in the background with when it comes to hip hop in Atlanta, maybe that's, and at least that's just looking at it from a national perspective. Again, probably Atlanta is probably different, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, hip hop is definitely the biggest, like you get like there's hip hop concerts in every venue we have down here. Like the Coca-Cola Roxy was just popped up a couple of years ago. Um, they just had like Dolph and uh, Key Glock playing there a couple um, or a few months ago. And then like, it's just like here and there, like um, who's at the masquerade? um there's an artist uh josiah he's like a it's like a spremo rap uh like collab type thing like kind of like how x does some of his music or did some of his music um but it's just like here and there like um there's always going to be that like hip-hop is like not like first priority but like that's going to be the selling point of a lot of stuff now you mentioned a lot, you're talking to me a lot about like venues and things like that and that you used to, that you big into performing. So um, I guess that's the, that's my question. Like, you know, are you, are you someone that really enjoys performing? And obviously if, if, if so, it's something you're missing. And I actually forgot to ask you what your favorite song off self-made degenerate is. Cause I, and I also feel like that album would be really, you could probably perform a lot of those songs and they would, they would smack. So yeah. So two questions here, I guess, is talk to me a little about performing is that something you were really into and do you miss it if so? And also like, what's your favorite song off self-made degenerate? What's your, like, what would be the best performance performance of on self-made degenerate in your, in your opinion? Once, once we can finally hit shows again. Yeah. So shit, performing is definitely my favorite part about doing music. Uh, like I love the whole process behind writing and then like listening to beats, like finding beats and stuff. Like as exhausting as it seems, it's like a very like crucial part of me. Cause like if I don't vibe well with a beat, like cause my producer D3 does a really good job of like shooting me stuff. He's like, what do you think about this? What kind of change if you don't like it? Like this and that. And then my brother is also a producer. He actually used to produce for uh, D4L back in the day. Um, he produced Laffy Taffy. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. My brother produced that. Yeah. Stop that. You're lying. I swear. You can look it up. Richard Sams Jr. Yeah. That's my brother. Damn. Uh, All right. So you got it in your blood. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I fuck with that. That's awesome. I remember this song has not aged well, but that was a banger at the time. Yeah, I, let's 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 not even play. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's still like blowing up on TikTok. I gotta know where like I guess that's a new thing now. It's taking like stuff from our generation and blowing it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he like um, everyone kind of knows like what my styles are, um, and they're like, you think you can do something with this? Like uh, normally, I'll be straight up with them. Like I don't know if I can like vibe with that. Give me a couple weeks, like let me listen to it and see if I can do anything with it. Um, and I've had like a bunch of producers coming to me. Uh, I actually met one, um, a producer through lacrosse, like playing against him um, at UNC Charlotte, and he sent me a beat, and it was 
uh, it was actually the beat for uh, Gucci Swim Trunks, that song. And uh, I was like, you know, this is kind of hype. Like, let me keep it. And um, But I would probably say my favorite song off the album. Um, it's got to be between Bars or Us with uh, me and my boy Wayne. And I'm just going to go quarantine because I, I love that song. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to switch to Earnhardt Jr. because that song was so much fun to make. So you, uh, you think those would be the best to be performed as well? A hundred percent. I think Earnhardt Jr. would be one to get the crowd super involved just because it's so upbeat and then like it's a lot of fun. Like even when I was listening to it, like my brother sent me the beat and I was like, oh snap, like this is kind of hype. Yeah. Um, but uh, like even before then, like I, I'm pretty sure I wrote that song that day, uh, the day I got the beat. Like it was no like buffering point. It was just like, all right, I'm at a car dealership. Let me start writing right now. I got the time. Um. A close, like, something I would put up there would probably be Summertime with uh, Sad Boys, like the EDM song I have. Like, I met them through a, um, a Twitch stream um, with this DJ Cap Slap. I forget where he's from, uh, but I listened to him, like, all through high school and stuff. And he started doing these streams uh, during quarantine. And he, um, he was like, yo, send me music in, send me music in. So I was like, he would do feedbacks, and I sent some songs in. And then Sad Boys was like, hit me up on Instagram, like, yo, like, we want to collab on something. I was like completely here for it. Like, why not? Isn't that amazing? The power of the internet. To it just really is. Yeah. Crazy. It's like, and obviously power of the internet is why you and I are sitting here right yeah, now. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's a beautiful thing in a lot of ways. I know there's a lot of, you know, negatives to the internet. Obviously I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole, but you know, obviously that, that is a great thing that you're able to, you know, and then you have that memory now for the rest of your life, which is super exactly. cool. You can probably perform. Um, so last question on this, on this uh, topic here, what was like your favorite performance from your career so far that you can kind of remember off the top of your head that would might, that, that like, is there any like moment or, or performance that stands out to you by any, by any stretch? Um, there's two. So it was my first performance ever and my most recent, which was the one at the masquerade that I had. Cause uh, the one at the masquerade, it was, I think it was my first paid gig. Um, and I got a message on Facebook from, um, a guy that does like all the, the local talent in Atlanta or Georgia for that matter. And he was like, yo, like, I know you want to perform at masquerade, like send some of your stuff in like for this dude, for this dude. And so I was like, all right, yeah, sure. Whatever. Sent some myself. And then I was like, yo, like what's going on with it? And he's like, oh yeah. Like they went to decide to go with someone else. A couple weeks passed by. And then he's like, um, he's like, yo, do you want me to submit you for this? And I was like, yeah, like, of course, like why not? And emails me the next day is like okay here's what you got to do at check-in like here's how many tickets you have like this and that if you need more come to this place and I was like wait whoa, whoa. so I got it and uh he was like yeah like I wouldn't be telling you this if you didn't and uh it was just like the preparation behind it and uh because this was right before quarantine started so I was wigging if I was gonna be able to perform it or not um and so uh the preparation behind it like running laps around, like trying to get my, my breath in, like all while having like lacrosse practice and stuff. And um, he, uh, I finally got to the show, like I ended up selling like 50 tickets or something, sold more than the headliner because he was at the, it was at the smaller venue. So I was like, yeah, this is hype. And so um, I went on stage, um, there's a couple other, other Atlanta artists out. I think uh, my boy Beauregard was there and um, it was, it was hype. Uh, 
I started off with like an older song, first song I ever made, uh, I'm the man now, which is on that like Mr. Krabs, like robot beat. Um, and then ended it with Whoa, which is probably like my favorite song to perform just because it's like so hype. And like, that's the song that kind of like gave me that segue to like the slight bit of like clout I have down here now. Um, yeah, that would definitely probably be my favorite one. Awesome. That's great, man. And so, um, as a, like, I, I just want to say, like, I think I'm, I'm as a fan, really just, that's been the biggest problem with, for me in terms of like this whole thing is to not be able to go to live shows. Like it's, for really sure. difficult. I, I'm sure it's so difficult for the artists. Like, don't get me wrong. Cause I know it's a lot of, it's, you know, it's difficult for you guys in terms of like, you know, monet monetarily and not only that, but, um, just like you're saying as a, as just as a place to connect with fans. Cause it's just, it's, Every artist I've talked to, and I, I, I get it because when I go to shows as, you know, Mike from the turntable teachers and trying to network, it's just easier to, you create such better relationships. And I feel like I've created such better relationships when I network at shows rather than in, up in this area, in the Boston area, rather than when I network online. You know what I mean? It's just, there's a different feeling. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if you can like really like visibly see that you're making a connection with somebody in the audience and that you talk to them afterwards or whatever, or they buy a piece of your merch or whatever it is, or they fall like, they just follow you on Spotify, like right in front of you. Like it's, there must be some kind of something different than that than just getting a new follower on, on, on Instagram. Yeah. You know? So, uh, you did mention also, you mentioned a couple of this a couple of times. I definitely want to segue here that, uh, you're not only a lacrosse player, but you also coach lacrosse, which I think is super cool. Cause I coach basketball. So, so talk to me a little bit about your coaching. Like, what does that mean? To, I know we're not really getting off the music topics, but as, in terms of as a, as a coach, what is, um, talk to me a little bit about you, the differences in coaching and, and being a player. Cause I always like talking to coaches about this. So what are like some, some potential like glaring differences and similarities between like your approach as a player and your approach as a coach? All right. So my approach as a player is definitely like, I wouldn't say I'm like a hard headed player, but like, I kind of like know one way to do things and I try to keep it that way. Whereas like as a coach, I'm like, you know, like you got to open your mind to this and that. So like, I can completely see like the, uh, the irony in it, but um, I'd much rather play than coach, but like, I still like coaching a lot. Like I coach in a, um, in a uh, organization down here, um, OB3 Thunder. And I've been coaching with them for like maybe four years. And before that I was coaching uh, like high school JV teams and stuff. Um, so it's, it's been like, it's been something like I, I love coaching, um, but I definitely much rather play. I know it's, 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 it's crazy though. Cause I feel the same way. I'd rather play, but you know, our bot, you know, I don't know about you, like you're, you're, you're probably, you're in good shape, enough shape. You're on a, oh, a my knees are gone now. Yeah. <laughs> as you get older bro like shit's just it just hurts right like this ball i'm just like i I still play like i still play pickup but i I play and i'm just like ah that's you know why is my it band hurting me and why is my hip bothering Mm -hmm. it's like this random like little aches and pains that just never used to be here when i was a player you know yeah i think coaching coaching is a cool way to stay in the game you know what i mean if you're if you're that passionate because i'm that passionate about hoops and i know it sounds to me like you're passionate about lacrosse which is awesome um I know, I'm glad you glad you wore a basketball jersey to this. Yeah. <laughs> I almost threw my jersey on. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I'm glad you put it on. That's awesome. Even if it's a Hawks jersey, I'm just just glad. <laughs> but uh, no, so I just think there's such a different mentality when it comes to coaching, right? Because it's more about your your lesson. It lets all it's all you know as a player. Obviously, like 
you know, you're for the team and things like that. But you are as a player, there's always that little bit of inside your head where you're like, I'm worried about how I'm going to play. You're right. You know, there's all, whereas you're coaching, you're so focused on everything and everybody. Right. Uh, So there's definitely, I just always like to see that, you know, if you would rather coach or play, some people would rather coach, you know what I mean? Because they're, they're not as good of a player, but it just is what it is. Or or they're not as, but um, I'm curious if, uh, if there's anything that, cause I, I, I think that coaching is a great way to give back. Right. And that's clearly what you're doing. Uh, and I love to hear that lacrosse is becoming a little bit bigger in your area that you were telling me a little bit off air about how you only had like maybe 60 teams in the entire state. Now you guys up to like 200 plus. So, I mean, is, um, maybe not just lacrosse, maybe sport, this could be a question for sports in general, but like, you know, is it do you do you, is there some sort of pride with it since you're a player just to see lacrosse like beginning to be a, a bigger thing down south uh, i i take i do take a lot of pride in it but also a lot of jealousy because i wish it was that big when i was in high school and so um but yeah it's been like neat seeing like kids like from my high school go like division like ncaa division one like division two and stuff like i went division two right out of high school and like it wasn't for me but then like i have like for like kids that I coach actually end up going to like these division two and division one schools all over the country and stuff. Like I actually played against a kid I coached uh, two seasons ago, uh, which is, it was pretty weird. Like I was like trash talking him on the field and he was like, coach, like chill. And I was like, I'm not your coach anymore. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's, been, it's been fun. Like seeing that, that growth come down here. Um, Cause it's been like a lot of expansions and stuff, like, especially with like professional leagues and stuff like we've had, two teams and then like a there's this thing called the PLL a Premier Lacrosse League that um it it's pretty much like tour based except for this year because they had to do a bubble because of the COVID but um last year it was tour based so they had stops in like Atlanta and Texas and like uh California like New York and stuff so it was kind of just going all over the place I think the first game they played was at uh Gillette oh no way yeah Bill Belichick was there um no way yeah yeah, I mean, lacrosse has been in the Northeast has been pretty big for a while. Uh, like I was telling you a little bit off air, like it's definitely like my family, like uh, my, I come from actually a family of lacrosse players and definitely it was not something that I was able to pick up easily. So I, st- I stuck with the hoops, but uh, it's definitely, like I said, it's definitely a big sport up here. It has been for like, I, actually I shouldn't say that. I feel like it has gotten bigger up here. I think there was, I think it was a little bit more, um, there was more of a foundation up here, but I'm glad to see it you know, expand because like we were saying off air, I think it's just important that, you know, there's more outlets for kids now. Right. So like, like you're able to put a lacrosse team in a high school, you know, it doesn't even have to be in Atlanta or Georgia. It can be anywhere. Right. But if you're putting a lacrosse team, it just, this is another outlet for a kid to potentially like either fall in love with or keep them, you know, occupied and, and, and focused on, you know, their, their school and their daily routines and, and behavior and all that stuff. So I just think it's like really great that, uh, it, it's becoming more mainstream down, down in the South. I think that's really important. Yeah, for sure. That's great. Do you, do you find there's any, I'm, I'm curious too, this is my last question on this topic. If, if there's any like parallels that you have, or you can think of in, in either playing or coaching lacrosse in, in, in terms of like making music, I know there's not really, there's not m- many, but is there any like mental things that might, that might, uh, potentially line up there or, or not really? A lot, actually. Um, so when I play, I'm like, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm the most orthodox player, but like, I kind of like 
freestyle when I play. So like a lot of things that I do, I don't know I'm going to do it until I do it. Um, and that's kind of the same with like rapping, like the um, on self-made agenda, the freestyle song, that was all freestyle. And I just kind of went in the booth and I was like, all right, this is, let's just go. And uh, which I kind of like, it's a lot of like mind workouts, it seems like, but like it kind of like, yeah, it kind of goes, goes hand in hand, just like the creativity behind it. And so. Yeah, definitely the creativity with as a coach. Actually, no, as a player too, because like you're trying to obviously figure out different ways to, in both cases, to potentially, you know, defeat an opponent. And I guess it's similar in the sense where like if you can get in that headspace in the booth, right, you're going to kill the verse, even though there's nobody really like in front of you, but it's more yeah. like you're battling yourself in a, in, a, in, a, in a way. So it's it's interesting. And then in that, right, so I was curious if there was any parallels, but that's just super cool, man. Uh, Young Mono, you've been incredible on this episode. I am so happy that we were able to talk with somebody down in the Atlanta scene. I hope that this is not only the last time we see you, but not only the last time that we talk to someone down in the underground Atlanta scene, because I think that I, I definitely want to uh, get your get, have you send me some some people that are go that you that you like down there. Uh, maybe maybe that's actually a question right before my last question. Uh, kind of going back, are there are there any like uh, underground artists in in the Georgia or Atlanta scene in general that that you're really into or passionate about or think people should be uh listening to more or anybody that up up north we can uh we can check out um i would say up north uh definitely listen to he's 240 that's my boy gotta bump him um down here i have a, a homie beauregard who's been making bangers making waves he has like this song that's like blowing up on tiktok right now uh called beyonce knows and it's just super hype it's just a whole vibe um my brother, of course, he's making music again. Uh, goes on to Cardo Wayne, uh, produces all his own beats, writes his own music. So he's super talented. He's definitely probably the most like musically inclined person in our family. Uh, yeah, that's about it I can think of right now. My producer too, he's amazing. Uh, my boy Dave, um, trying to get him in and start doing music, but he's actually um, he's at nine on lies. He's a, the last verse. That's my producer. Oh, that's him. Okay. Yeah. Good to know because I like that. I mean, that's probably that is one of my favorite songs on the project. That and Quarantine are probably my two favorites. But the that that song definitely again is a little biased with Heath, but I, I definitely enjoyed that song as a whole, and and I like that verse too from him specifically. So yeah, you 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 come in with this very because for the first couple tracks, I'm like, all right, this is dope. Like I can I can mess with this right, and then that song where you kind of pulled off like the melodic sort of hook and and uh in in vibe there i was just like all right i like this guy he's, <laughs> he's, he's check we'll, we'll, we'll have him on the show i'm i'm, yeah. I'm it's great oh this is good man uh yeah so people up north you guys should definitely check this man out for sure the self-made degenerate it is uh linked in the description as i said but i'm not you're not off the hook yet no oh. final question okay last question i ask everyone that comes on this show I call it the dream song scenario. You get to create a song with anybody, dead or alive. All right, and I'll structure for you. You get, a, uh, you get a hook, all right? So you get someone to do the hook or sing the hook or whatever, however you want that. You get a verse, you get two guest verses, and you get someone for production on the boards. And it, you can have a couple of different people if you want. You, you know, mix a few in if, you, if, if you're not, you don't want just one person on, on, this, on, on the uh, production. So again, dream song scenario. You get a verse, two guest verses, hook, producer, dead or alive, can be anybody, can sound like anything you want. Give it as much time as you want to decide. Right. The floor is yours. 
All right, so for producer, I'm definitely going with probably TM88. Uh, he makes some wavy beats. I love him. Um, and then hook, I'm going with I love McConan. Okay. Uh, probably a bit of a dark horse. He hasn't made anything in like a year, but like that's my boy. I've been listening to McConan for a minute. Um, verse number one, I will go with Lil Uzi. Okay. For sure. Gotta gotta have the goat in there, and then. Probably a Travis Scott on the second. Okay. All right. All right. So it's definitely going to be a, a trap vibe for sure. Oh yeah, trap with the a little like the the trippy trap is McConan would call yeah. it. Yeah. It'll have a little it'll have a little melody with McConan in it, but it's going to yeah. be and Travis can probably like put some ad libs over that over that exactly. A couple, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> couple of those, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. All right. Hey, well. Well, it's funny because we haven't had really a trap-inspired song on one of these dream song scenarios. And I've always said, like, you know, my, my biggest thing in, in, in the world would be to make all these songs happen. So if I had a hypothetical turntable teacher's mixtape, this would be the trap song that would go in it. So it'll For work. For sure. Let's go. I'm into it. I'm into it. Hell yeah. Um, too good. My man, that was, that was great. Young Mono, check out this guy's stuff, guys. I'm telling you, he's really oh, – oh, by the way, I just want one more thing. I – Never been that big of an Uzi fan, and I, I gotta say, the new album I really liked. I, re I reviewed it, and I was very on, on the channel here, and I was very uh, pleasantly surprised at what I heard because yeah. I've, I've been not into if you can see my wall here, you probably can tell like what yeah. type of music I, I, I am into. I'm into the more jazzy, soulful stuff. Yeah, uh, I was impressed with Uzi, man. Is, is, is he that big down there? Like, is, is he really like seen as like the goat? Well, to me, he is. Down here, the goat would probably be with, uh, depending on where you go, uh, future Young Thug, like maybe Gucci. Okay. Um, but in my eyes, like, I just love, like, ever since, like, um, Love is Rage, like the first one, I was like, yo, this dude's pretty dope. Like, the first thing, I think the first song I heard from him was All My Chains. And it just, it was from then on, it was like, I got to listen to Lil Uzi from now on. And then uh, I love Love is Rage, too. Uh, that was probably might be my favorite Uzi album, but Eternal Take is definitely fire, uh, I would say. Yeah, that's the Love is Rage, too, is where I kind of, he got my attention because he used a sample, or he got, yeah, no, he definitely used a sample from Oh Wonder, which is a, uh, yeah, the, the, like a lot, and then I've, I had heard in the past, I'm like, all right, Uzi, I'm like, I was very, like I said, very impressed and also like was biting my tongue at it because I was like, you know what? He does have some musical talent and I, that I didn't give him credit for. And then Eternal Take came out and I was like, okay, I see it now. Like I see the, <laughs> see the vision and I understand it. Uh, and I actually enjoy it. I liked it a lot. I yeah. thought it was, that was actually a really good project. I, I, there's still songs on that that I go back to. So oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's good. But uh, yeah, so Young Mono. Featuring I Love McConan, Lil Uzi Vert, Travis Scott, produced by TM88. I think it would be a pretty dope track, bro. I'm not going to lie. I think lie. so, too. I hope so. <laughs> I think it would come together. I think it would. Oh, yeah. <laughs> people, Young Mono from Atlanta. My people up north. Got to go check this guy out. All right? It is linked in the description. We will also link his Instagram in the description. I think you, what are you on Instagram? Just Young Mono? Is that? Yeah, Young Mono 1, yep. Mono 1. All right. Again, that will be linked in the description. But you guys can also follow him at Young Mono 1. Go stream Self-Made Degenerate. It is out now on all platforms. And once again, 
Young Mono, thank you so much for being here. This was brilliant. Really great, great episode. And I'm, I'm so excited. And, and uh, best of luck with everything. We will certainly be in touch. I appreciate you having me, man. All right. A lot of fun. Me too, me too. Definitely. I am Mike. This is Young Mono with the Turntable Teachers. And class is officially dismissed. Turn, 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 turn.